0: Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. As we continue in our series called Show and Tell, looking at Jesus' commissioning texts for the church, we will hear today from Paul Jacobs on one of the most famous passages in the whole New Testament. Thanks for joining us as we seek to develop a culture of missional obedience as those followers of Jesus who make disciples. Good morning. God is great. Um, It wasn't planned today, but um, Phil read to you about um, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. He didn't know that that was going to be our Old Testament reading today. And um, I mean, Roseanne's message uh, as well uh, about the ark and how people have to follow God's command. And uh, that's what I'm speaking about today. I'm going to talk about God's command, one one of the really important commands. Um, I'd also like to um, make sure it takes some time uh, to thank a few people. Uh, when Ryan's been gone now, he'll be back next week again. There's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes, and there's so many people that play a part in that. Uh, I want to thank Phil for his message last week, which was wonderful. Um, Grace takes care of so many things for us. Uh, Wendy takes care of a lot of things. And then also, um, just a big thank you to Tom. Uh, He's just so devoted to all of us here. Um, We can always count on him when Pastor Ryan is gone to just help run the service. And he has to leave here and get in the car and drive to what, Green Bay? Green Bay for surgery. Yet, he's here today. So I just give, give these people a hand for me. So, Paula's 88-year-old father passed away last summer. We had three days to say goodbye. What did we say? We didn't talk about the weather. We didn't talk about politics. The conversations were meaningful, and the main message was, you've been a good father, and we love you. Many of you remember Pastor Dave Anderson at the end of his earthly life, he gave a series of sermons here entitled, What I Want My Church to Know Before I'm Gone. He loved this church and served it well, leaving us with what he knew to be the most important message, Solo Cristo, or Salvation by Christ Alone. If you had just one last message to leave to your family, what would it be? Let's pray. Lord God, we all fall short of your glory, and we are only completed in you. We praise you for your word, Lord, for your family gathered in your name. We praise you for your provision in our lives and especially for your son, Jesus. Lord, we pray that my words today will be pleasing to you, uh, that you give us all ears to hear and that your message will be clear and that hearts will be changed, and that your words will draw your children closer to you. Lord, you gave us directions to follow. You gave us a command. Help us to live to the calling you give us, and especially to remember your final command to your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we often hear there, there's some big questions in this life. There's big questions, right? What is the meaning of life? Anybody like to offer that up? I don't know that we have time for that. Or the one kids always ask, why? Best question. Um, Read a book one time, it was um, How to Talk to Anybody Anytime, Anywhere. And they're like, one great question is Why? What is God's purpose for his church? Another big question. What is God's will for you? Let's look into God's word for answers. If you look with me uh, in the book of Matthew on uh, page 1423, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Verse 19 therefore Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age Before Jesus left his disciples for the last time He gave them this last command We traditionally refer to this as the Great Commission. Should we take this lightly? The last command of Jesus? The last command? I don't think so. He didn't give this to his disciples as a great suggestion. He didn't give it as a great option. He gave the statement to them as a great commission, a command. His final command. Consequently, we need to give this command serious attention. And by what authority does Jesus give this command? Let's back up in Matthew to verse 18, one verse before the reading today. Verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus has given all authority. Where? Everywhere, in heaven and on earth. In our reading today go and make disciples so there's an action word plain and simple go now jesus wasn't speaking to just one individual either he was speaking to his disciples the community gathered together this charge is for our church family not just for you or for your neighbor as individuals but it's for our family and it's meant to be carried out collectively When you go, you must be sent. And the local church is the sender. We read in Romans uh, 10, 15. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Again, thank you, Phil. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Again, similar to what we heard in our Old Testament reading today. There's three times. The Father sent his son Jesus, God incarnate, to be with us. Jesus, the first disciple, to make and send his disciples who have sent our local church here in Segola to make disciples and to send them. Thank you, Jesse. And where do we go? Jesus said to all nations, There's no limit to where Jesus commands his disciples to go. It could be across the street or across the globe. And everyone's reach is different. And what's the message we are to bring? In the words of R.C. Sproul, the gospel message, and I quote, The gospel message starts as a message about the kingdom and ends as a message about the king. And the gospel, or the good news, is not just about God. This is an important point. But the message of the gospel belongs to God. The word is God. And it tells us about his character and who he is and what his will for us is. If you want to know God, read his word. We're not just to give the message either, but to make disciples, Jesus tells us. So how do we make disciples? Actually, we don't make disciples, but we have a responsibility to play a part in it through our witness. The mission belongs to the whole church, but the Holy Spirit really is who draws the heart of the non-believer to Christ. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in Joel, from the Old Testament, chapter 2, verse 28, And afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all people. The Holy Spirit is alongside us as we witness and make disciples. How exactly do we witness? I'll suggest five main ways today. Number one, through evangelism, simply proclaiming the message of Christ. Number two, this is a tough one. I don't suggest you all go out and do this today. Through martyrdom, literally dying for the cause. We know martyrs, and we've heard of martyrs that have died, uh, died for their faith. Uh, We think of um, the column line, for example. The third way celebration of the Lord's Supper in remembrance. Number four loving one another. We do a great job of that here in our church. Not just the people that are easy to love, but the ones that are hard to love too. If Christ is in your brother or sister and you love Jesus, you must love your brother or sister in Christ. In John 13, 35, we read, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And the fifth way, giving your testimony. Do you remember who led you to Christ? Many of you will have a name. Or two. And if you think of that person, do you think of their faults? No. But they had faults. Remember, Christ uses imperfect people to build his kingdom. We call it your testimony. But doesn't God really own the story? He's responsible for it. Share your testimonies. For the story of God's work in your life deserves to be told. Back to Matthew. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. From the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Baptism has been a sign of conversion to Christ. As a community of believers, we're always encouraged to share in the joy of baptism of new believers. It reminds us of our own commitment to Christ and helps us welcome new brothers and sisters into God's church. Celebrate. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. After conversion comes teaching or discipling. We don't just see people come to Christ and then let them go out on their own. They also need to be taught about Jesus and his commands. And we as a church are responsible for this, together, all of us. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We also are not given, just given this great commission and then sent out alone, us. Jesus promises us, that he is with us always. He sends us out with the protection and guidance of the Holy Spirit. We are never in this alone. Surely we have God's promise in this. Let's talk about how the Great Commission relates to missions. The word mission is from the Latin word missio, which means to send. In 1 John 4, 9 This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The mission of the church is to send out to find the lost. And again, this mission responsibility belongs to the whole church. When we send out our own people on mission, in human terms, we're doing good and we are part of saving the lost. But more importantly, we glorify God. We glorify him in giving him joy. In Luke's Gospel, in the story of the prodigal son, the faithful son asks the father why he has gone to great lengths to celebrate the return of his disobedient brother. From Luke 15, 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything i have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found the focus here is not on the lost son when we hear the story we always think about the lost son how nice for him but it's really about the father's great joy at finding him you see it's not about us it's all about God the Father. To Him be the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's look at some applications. We'll get things finished up here. Um, how, do we, how do we become a Great Commission Church? How do we create the culture of a Great Commission Church? Now, you have to be cautious here. Culture is not a program. It's a way of life. It's deeply seated in the culture of the church. Number one, cultivate a culture of discipling. Discipling involves more than one person, too. That's important. You can't be just discipled by yourself. There needs to be someone discipling as well as there has to be a teacher as well as a student. There's more than one person involved in this. It might be through church attendance. Hopefully you hear some good godly messages here at church on Sunday. So church attendance is part of discipling. You might be involved with Bible studies, discipling. Maybe in life groups where we share our daily walk with Jesus, with our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe in communal prayer some people enjoy discussing books by christian authors with christian brothers and sisters or attending christian conferences again it's more than one person you can't do it alone there's the teacher and the student number two cultivate a culture of evangelism so evangelism doesn't have to be complex and you don't have to stand on a corner and shout god's word it works but you don't have to. Just commit even a few verses of Scripture to memory. Two, three, four verses of Scripture. One I like, Psalm 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Some, some versions say, I have, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And this is one of the early things that I learned that gave me an idea that it's important to store up God's Word in your heart. I was fortunate to know um, a man, the late John Brummer. I call him the Carpenter Evangelist. Um, John lived in a little town in the Upper Peninsula, and as he drove down small city streets or down the highway, he might see a house, maybe with a loose screen door, maybe with a board missing out of the porch, maybe a cracked window. He would stop at the house, <coughs> knock on the door, and just say, you know, I noticed your screen door is amiss. Could I fix it for you? And uh, ultimately, he would just, people would accept him and he would go to the store, buy what he needed, he'd come back a day or two later, and he would just fix it. And uh, oftentimes you have an opportunity to maybe have a cup of coffee with the person, or they're like, Why are you doing this? But he would explain about his great God. Carpenter evangelist. We have some carpenter evangelists in here. Number three, cultivate a culture of missions. Jesse culture of missions God intends to bring his message to all nations in Isaiah 49:6, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth not everyone is a missionary but it's everyone's responsibility not everyone here is an evangelist but it's all our responsibility consider joining our missions ministry get more information from Jesse on that. Support missions financially, prayerfully. Encourage missionaries. Maybe drop one of our missionaries a note. When's the last time you sent a note out to one of our missionaries that we've sent out? If you are out on the field, I'm sure you'd be happy to hear from your neighbors. Send missionaries. Do you have the calling to be a missionary? And how far do you have to go? Sometimes just across the street as far enough. Number four, cultivate a culture of strengthening other churches. In Acts chapter 15, verses 40 and 41, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. We often get too focused on ourselves or on our own church. We have to love our own church. We love the people that are in here. But remember, the body of Christ is not competing factions. One church might have an event, and a church down the road has growth in their church, especially growth of new believers. We should rejoice at that. Number five, cultivate a culture of encouraging gospel growth locally. Maybe this is driving to North Dickinson schools and praying for the students and teachers. Maybe this looks like our pastor meeting with other local pastors. I often think of our friend Phyllis, the produce aisle evangelist. Her mission field is over tomatoes and cucumbers. She may remark to a total stranger about the beautiful food god has provided for us in the vegetable aisle that might further lead to a question about what are you making with your vegetables or we should have a cup of coffee sometime she loves the gospel and so she loves people in john 13 35 by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, what's the result of all of this? John gives us a picture of this in Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9. And if you want to read with me. It's in uh, page 1754 in your true Bible. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Let's pray.